Our Lord, Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice, be glad, and give him glory. Amen. Good morning, and welcome to worship. Today, once again, our Lord helps us to think about the kind of church he wants us to be. The truth before us today is he wants a church that really knows and proclaims Jesus. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. The knowledge of God and of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. I invite your minds and your hearts to the word written in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but you, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it. The Gospel of our Lord. My dear family in Christ, isn't it true in life that there are questions and then there are questions? For instance, where do you want to go for dinner tonight is a question. What do you mean we're being evicted? That's a question. Here in the pages of the Bible, our Lord asks all kinds of different questions, but he never asks a question to gain information. He is, after all, the omniscient God who knows all things. He doesn't need to gain information. But sometimes he asks questions in the word to lead his people to repent of their sin, like he did in the Garden of Eden as he asked both Adam and Eve, what is this you have done? Sometimes the Lord asks questions in order to give us needed guidance in life. For instance, when Jesus asked, what good is it for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his own soul? And sometimes the Lord asks us rhetorical questions to fill us with comfort and reassurance. For instance, he says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Those are questions. Jesus asks a question in this morning's text. It's not hard to understand what he's asking. It's simple, it's straightforward, but it is the most important question that anyone could ever ask you. It's a question, really, that divides the whole human race into one of two camps. It's a question that determines your eternal destiny. Today, dear friend, the Lord Jesus is asking you the question, but you, who do you say that I am? In other words, what is it exactly that you believe about Jesus Christ? That is certainly life's most important question. 
Matthew tells us that when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? In other words, Jesus was asking his disciples, so guys, what's the word on the street? What are people saying about me? He knew, of course, he knows all things. But Jesus was going to use this as a teachable moment. He needed to elicit a certain solid faith from his band of disciples so that they would continue to put their trust in him and so that after he ascended back into heaven, they would be able to clearly teach the truths of salvation to many others. Who do people say that the Son of Man is? The fact was, according to the disciples, that people were saying some pretty flattering things about Jesus. They held him in high regard among the likes of Elijah or Jeremiah or John the Baptist or one of the prophets. People on the street were viewing Jesus as an insightful prophet, as a tremendous teacher, and as a worker of some really astounding miracles. Those were all nice compliments for sure, but every one of those opinions fell short of the truth, right? Actually, the first question Jesus asked was really just a segue into the question he really wanted to ask. But you, who do you say that I am? And I want to ask, friend, can you hear the Lord Jesus asking you that same question this morning? That's life's most important question. What's your answer? What's the conviction that rests securely in your heart? Not what your church says about Jesus, not what your pastor says about Jesus, not what your parents say about Jesus, not even what you used to think about Jesus when you were a kid, but what about you? Who do you say that Jesus is? That really is the litmus test of the Christian faith. Who do you say that I am? The answer to that question is the difference between eternal life and eternal death, the difference between heaven and hell. Bless you, Simon Peter, you had it right. He answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. What a tremendous confession of faith Peter gave. You know, the disciples, they certainly had their moments of weakness, Peter included. There were times when the disciples were a little bit foggy on some of the things that Jesus was teaching them, and they would remain that way at least until the Holy Spirit was poured out in full measure on Pentecost. But you really can't take away anything from this trusting confession that came pouring from Peter's heart and out through his mouth. He said of Jesus, you are the Christ. You, Jesus, are Christos, a Greek word that means the anointed one. The anointed one, one set apart for a special purpose. That name Christ reminds us that Jesus was not a pretender. He was not a fraud. He was not a wannabe. Jesus was and is that Messiah, that Christ, that had been promised all throughout the pages of the Old Testament. And there through the prophets, the Lord had told that the Messiah would would come as God, the one who would come in flesh to redeem the world. He would come with a threefold office, anointed, first of all, as our king, the one who would trample all of our fiercest spiritual enemies and win us for his kingdom forevermore. He would come as our prophet, 
proclaiming the truths of eternal life, forgiveness, and salvation through faith in him. He is the one who would come as the great priest, the one who would sacrifice his own life to pay for the sin of the whole world and take it away. You are the Christ, Peter said. The son of the living God. Jesus was not a great man who worked his way up the ranks to become God. Jesus rather was and always will be the eternal Son of God who came down from heaven and took on our human flesh and blood. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He is Lord and God, one with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And only Jesus can save. What a beautiful confession that is. Let none of us ever be content to just have some kind of a faith in a vague supreme being or higher power. It's not enough to believe in your heart that there's some big man upstairs. Our faith rests securely in Christ, the Son of God, our Savior from sin. To know what he did for us, to rescue us from our sins and and the eternal death and hell that they had earned for us. So, believer, as Jesus asked you this morning, what about you? Who do you say that I am? Answer that question confidently and clearly based on the teaching of the word. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are Lord and God from all eternity, the one who came down and took on human flesh and blood to live among us, to be our perfect substitute, to live the life that we haven't lived, and to die the death that we had earned for ourselves. You won my forgiveness free of charge and offer it to me as a gift of your grace. No strings attached. Lord Jesus, through your death and resurrection, I stand in the Bible's promise that I have everlasting life in heaven through faith in you. You, Jesus, you are the Christ. You are my Christ, the Son of the living God. And I trust in you with all my heart and soul and strength. And having said that, May the Holy Spirit lead us to more faithfully live that. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Isn't it true that there are plenty of times when our mouths may say that, but our lives seem to say that Jesus isn't quite so important to us? Sometimes don't we live our lives as though the Lord Jesus is a bit of a nuisance or an afterthought, an inconvenience? Times when we talk about him being the Christ, the son of the living God, but then we'll find any and every excuse to skip out on a chance to worship him or to grow through Bible study. Times when we make this all-out effort in life to just blend in with the rest of the unbelieving world in the way that we talk, in the attitudes we hold, or the way that we approach things or, or prioritize things in life. Times when we, for whatever reason, don't confess Jesus clearly before others. That's why it's so important to know the answer to life's most important question because Jesus is the answer for all of our sins and failures. You know, in Jesus, we see God as he really is. God is not some stern and angry judge who's just itching for the chance to give us what we have coming to us. The Lord our God is rather the one who in Christ is as he proclaimed himself to be in our first reading this morning. He is the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God who is slow to anger and overflowing with mercy and truth, maintaining mercy for for thousands, 
forgiving guilt and rebellion and sin. Simon Peter, thank you for that beautiful confession of faith. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Thank you for giving us the answer to life's most important question. And did you notice Jesus' response to Peter's beautiful confession of faith? He said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Peter was blessed because he had been led to see the truth about Jesus and was given the mouth to confess that faith. But Jesus points out that Peter did not arrive at that conviction on his own. It didn't come to Peter because of anything that he or any other person had done. Peter knew Jesus as the Christ because that faith had been worked in his heart by God himself. Isn't it interesting here that Jesus calls Peter's attention to his father, a man named Jonah? I wonder there if Jesus wasn't pointing out for Peter, reminding him, Peter, look, you are merely flesh and blood. As one who was born of a sinful father, Peter was just like us. Sinful from birth. But then the Holy Spirit led him to see this Christ as Lord and God and Savior. Peter had been blessed to see his miracles, to witness his extraordinary love, to hear the wonderful teachings that came from Jesus. And God went to work in Peter's heart. The Holy Spirit brought him to faith and led him to see the truth about Jesus and to put his trust in God's Son as Savior. What I'm saying is that from beginning to end, Peter was what Peter was, but only because of God's amazing grace. That's my story, and that's your story too. We we didn't choose Christ. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Listen, we don't bring ourselves to faith. We don't want to detract any goodness of God Or any grace that he's shown us by saying, well, yeah, Jesus died for my sins, but I still had to decide to choose him to be my Savior and make my decision for Christ. No, our new life in Christ, just like Peter's, is a gift from God from beginning to end. We know Jesus as Savior only by God's power, only because the Holy Spirit through the gospel has drawn us to faith in Jesus. Our God deserves our unending thanks and praise. If you are blessed to be able to say with Peter that that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, then give thanks to your Lord because the scripture teaches us no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Then the Lord Jesus ends our text by saying, and I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overpower it. You know, much has been made of this verse by those who would say that here Jesus is laying the foundation for what we know today as the papacy and that Jesus was setting Simon Peter up to be the first pope of his church. But the original Greek here in the Bible indicates nothing of the sort. Jesus there is telling us that it's the truth that Peter had just confessed. It was that truth that is the foundation on which the Lord Jesus builds his church. In other words, what Jesus is saying is that those who make that same good confession of faith that Peter made are ones who truly belong to his church, who belong to Christ, who will be saved. And that's why Jesus is the answer to life's most important question. And he gives us a promise. 
The promise that the gates of hell will not overpower his church. Satan and the forces of evil, the demons, have one sinister purpose in mind, to destroy the church that Christ established by his work. And sometimes, honestly, it looks like they're on the verge of doing exactly that. Consider some statistics that were spelled out for us in the most recent edition of our Forward in Christ magazine. One church closes every 90 minutes as Americans continue to walk away from church in record numbers. Five out of six Christian churches are smaller today than they were just five years ago. A stunning 67% of Americans say that they seldom or never attend church. Now more than ever, friends, we need this encouraging word of our Savior that the gates of hell will not overpower his church. Will the church survive? Yes. Will we survive given the staggering number of sins that we commit in a lifetime through faith in Jesus? Yes. Will the immorality of our world today and all of its egocentric and humanistic philosophies overcome and outlast the church of Christ? No, never. Jesus has won the victory over Satan and the forces of evil. And that final and eternal victory is ours through faith in Jesus. The gates of hell will not overpower the Lord's church. This is a time for us to sink our roots deeply down into the Word of God, the Bible, to remain strong. This is a time for us to position ourselves to reach out with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and to share Jesus with a world that is dying without him. There are questions, and then there are questions. Who do you say that Jesus is? Eternal life in heaven is hinging on that one simple question. God-given faith leads us to know that the repentant sinner trusts Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God. God-given faith sees Jesus as the only one who can take away the sins, the guilt, the curse, the punishment that we've earned for ourselves. Faith sees Jesus as the one and only way to everlasting life. Is that conviction in your heart? Let it become stronger every single day. As you hear and think about and study the teachings of God's gospel. Let that conviction lead you to acts of love that are done in gratitude for this great gift of everlasting life. Let it bring peace and calm to your heart when everything else in this world seems to be against you. Let it bring hope and healing when your sins trouble you as you hear and believe that in Christ you are fully, freely, forever forgiven. Let real hope live in you that Christ Jesus, the Son of the living God, is your life and your salvation and nothing, nothing can take that away. Who do you say that Jesus is?
May a heart of faith lead each of us to say it loudly and clearly. You are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. You are my Christ. You are my Lord and my Savior from sin. You are my life and my salvation. You, Lord Jesus, are my reason for living for now and forever. Amen. Amen.